NBA season is here. So glad that you're with us for the Under the Hood Basketball Podcast brought to you by DraftKings at Casino Queen Sportsbook. Go to DraftKings.com, DraftKings.com, and use the promo code WMVP. Listen, the NBA season's here, and you can bet on the opening night games right now. Go to DraftKings.com. They're a sponsor of this podcast, and we want you to support them like they support us. DraftKings and by Manscaped.com. Hey, guys, you know that you need some help down there. Make sure you check out Manscaped.com. 20% off. Use the promo code HOOD. Again, the promo code is HOOD for Manscaped.com. Hey, for men's grooming, that's the spot that you go. Manscaped.com. Get 20% off by using the promo code HOOD. Think about it. The ball deodorizer. Uh, The Lawnmower 4.0, it's all part of Manscaped.com on the Under the Hood Basketball Podcast. Well, this is our Western Conference preview as I team with Chris Fleck. If you've missed the Eastern Conference preview and the Bulls preview, that's on another podcast. But right now, Chris and I will take a look at the Western Conference. Who's going to come out of the West? Find out as we talk to Chris Bleck from the Bleck and Abdallah show on ESPN 1000. Don't forget, you can catch this podcast on Spotify as well. You'll never miss an episode if you download the Under the Hood Basketball Podcast on Spotify. All right, let's talk to Chris about the Western Conference right here on the Under the Hood Basketball Podcast. And there he is, folks, Chris Bleck from Bleck and Abdallah. Here this show, 6 to 8 p.m. Central Time on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN Chicago app as we give our Western Conference preview because we can't wait for the season to start. What's up, Chris? Jonathan, good to hear from you. And, uh, yeah, basketball season's right around the corner. We have the USC Flames, college basketball coming back, and the NBA. And the Bulls are actually going to be a watchable, fun team this year. Can't wait. So let's talk about who the Bulls are going to face in the finals uh, coming out of the Western Conference. So let's start here with the Western Conference champion, Phoenix Suns. So not a lot has changed with the Phoenix Suns. Of course, it's, it's DeAndre Ayton, it's, it's Booker, and it's Chris Paul. I think it surprised all of us, right, to see the Suns in this stratosphere getting to the Western Conference, but they ran out of gas, or maybe Chris Paul just ran out of gas last year. Yeah, he kind of did in the finals. I, I think you got to give some of that credit, though, to Drew Holiday. Drew Holiday is one of the best on-ball defenders in the entire NBA. And over the the span of the finals, he wore Chris Paul down. And that was something that wasn't seen in just necessarily game one of the finals. It it was seen when we got to games three and four and later on in, in the series. You know, Devin Booker took a huge step last year. He's only 24 years old. I would expect him to continue to grow as a player. DeAndre Ayton, I know there's contract uh, situations off the court with him because he is available now heading into next offseason for a free agency contract. Um, and with Ayton, he wants to get paid like the others from his draft class, uh, Luka Doncic, Trey Young, who have already cashed in on big deals. And, and I wouldn't necessarily put DeAndre Ayton into that category, like the leading face for a franchise. Mm-hmm. But Jonathan, if we go back to last year in the Western Conference Finals and, and even in the finals, DeAndre Ayton's damn good. Yes. And I don't know if you've heard this before, but uh, watch out for Ayton. I mean, <laughs> he's, someone, <laughs> he's someone that I don't think uh, anyone at our station's ever talked about. So um, it's cool to see him uh, continue to improve. 
Mikel Bridges is a nice young player as well. Cameron Johnson is a good young player. Like, what's cool about the Suns is they have some veteran leadership in Jay Crowder and Chris Paul, but also it's the young players who led the way for that team to get them to the finals, which, you know, the what we do in sports now. My concern is is Chris Paul and whether or not his body will hold up, right? Is there any way that he could just play 41 games and then the playoffs, will that keep his body healthy? Yeah, I mean, it, it certainly um, would go a long way, right? Like, could the Suns be good enough if that was the case? I mean, last year they were the two seed. Um, I, I think it, it probably is obtainable to be that good again. 51 wins is what they got last year. But again, remember, uh, the NBA played less basketball games that last year, and this year will be 82. Mm-hmm. So I think the Suns could easily get over the 50-win mark. Um, but there's so much young talent in the West that if Chris Paul is taking games off to reserve his body for later in the year, kind of like a LeBron situation, like I think the Suns need to be at the top of the conference to have a fighting chance once they get to the playoffs. I don't think they're a team that could be seed 6, 7, and 8. And, and and think that they're going to get far in the finals or get to the finals uh, based on that. They need home court. So let's talk about the Lakers, the Wild Hogs, right? That bad movie with Tim Allen and uh, Martin Lawrence and John Travolta. One more ride on the motorcycles, right? They're over 40, one more ride. That's what this Lakers team is with LeBron James. And once again, it's a slippery slope and a dangerous game, Chris Black, when you have the star player picking his players. It's a lot of Hall of Famers on that team, but are they a viable enough team to win the West? I I seriously doubt that. Do I count four Hall of Famers? Where, where, where do you land on, on Rondo? Because that could push it to five. It's a, is, it, Ron, is Rondo a Hall of Famer? It's a basketball Hall of Fame. He's in. <laughs> right? What, what about Wayne Ellington? Does Wayne Ellington get in? <laughs> not, not Wayne Ellington. No. <laughs> Trevor Reza, Trevor Reza, does he get in at age 36? Dude, someone will make a case. You know that, right? Yeah. Someone's going to make a case for Trevor Reza. That, you laugh. Someone will say, yeah. you know, he was one of them key players, man. I mean, like, <laughs> well, wait a minute. What do you mean key? No, he was not a key player. So, so Westbrook... Um, Carmelo, LeBron, and Rondo. I would imagine Anthony Davis has one championship, but can he stay healthy to even get to Hall of Fame status? You know, ultimately, you know how I look at this? Who who will be healthy at the end, healthier at the end, Chris Paul or Anthony Davis? Well, you know, I I, re- I recall, and I don't I don't have the information right in front of me, but do you remember last year in the playoffs? Uh, they they would throw the graphic on the screen during the Lakers games that would be like, you think Anthony Davis is injured a lot, but did you know he's played more games in the last five years than? And then it had a list of like top level stars like James Harden and I think Russell Westbrook was on the list mm-hmm. and like a couple other guys and like we we assume that he's always hurt. I I just think with, with Anthony Davis. What we saw in the shortened bubble uh, playoffs, like that was the peak of Anthony Davis. Now, can he hit those levels in a normal, uncontrolled, unsterilized atmosphere, right? Like, Jonathan, you go back to to the first round last year, the Suns weren't not – not only were they just better to move on, they were like way better than the Lakers. And and I think what – 
what, what's weird to me about this collection of old dudes on their hogs um, <laughs> yeah. is like, how does Carmelo Anthony and Russell Westbrook assist you against the young teams in the West, like the Nuggets and the Suns and the Jazz? Like, those teams have waves of talent that can go, you know, eight, nine deep in a playoff game. And I, I get it. It's about the top line guys. Right. But, but also, you need to have the, the, the depth on the roster to get you a high seed in the playoffs. And, like, if you go back to last season, remember, the Lakers were not – they were in the playing round, right? And, and they had to advance in the playing games to get into the tournament to then face the Suns as the seventh seed. And, and I think what, what I think to me, heading into the offseason, the first thing I would think of to the Lakers would be, all right, you need better leadership at, at point guard, which they do get that in, in Russell Westbrook. But then you're like, okay, he's a star. But then again, when we talk about leadership, uh, in-game situations, like Russ is like the last point guard you want out of the star point guards if you're a team trying to win games. Like, he is certainly a star. He's a Hall of Famer. I like Russell Westbrook. But again, you kind of question, like, his decision-making, and then you you question how he would mesh with LeBron and AD. Like, he's not a three-point shooter. He's a guy that attacks the rim. Okay, well, isn't that, like, so LeBron's going to crab dribble his way across half court and back down whoever's guarding him. And then Russ is going to go stand in the corner and wait for his turn. And then when he gets the ball, he's just going to run 150 miles towards the rim. Like, I don't I don't understand how Russ necessarily helps the Lakers. And then Carmelo, he's a good addition to Portland as a spot-up shooter and can get hot occasionally. He, he's not going to be your fourth best player. Right. I don't know. This, this Lakers team is very confusing. I think they're going to be fun to watch as far as, like, a disaster. Um, and I, I just, I really question, I think you nailed it, giving LeBron the, the keys to make decisions and to influence Rob Palenka, I think is a total mistake because I don't think LeBron knows what's best for him at this point in his career. So I look at it like this, with Westbrook being on the team, if healthy, this gives LeBron time off. Right, because this will be give Russell Westbrook the autonomy to be able to um, run the offense. And if LeBron's not there, Westbrook can win you games. We've seen this before, right? But I feel like the team is different, though. If Westbrook's running it and LeBron's on the floor, it's different than when LeBron's on the floor. That's why I feel like it's two different rosters, two different philosophies happening at the same time. Uh, two things that uh, two nuggets before we move forward here on this. One, I'm concerned about their head coach here. Right. I think that he's going to be the scapegoat in all of this. Like, well, how come you don't have us organized there, Jerry Seinfeld? The other thing is, is that the question is, is like, well, OK, so when when I see this Lakers team based on how it's going to go, I don't know how healthy, healthy Anthony Davis is going to be. You know, and, and, I, and by the way, I heard Melo says that this if this doesn't work, this is going to remind me of the um, the Olympic team that that failed. Right. The, the most recent men's Olympic team that failed. Like that's something that you don't put there in the atmosphere because that team is supposed to win it all. And that's what Carmel thinks he has now. Dude, I don't yeah. think you want to bring that up. Do you No, and, and you know, it's it's I just think that you need like the one thing that I think we really uh, figured out about the league last year 
is that with the teams that advanced in the playoffs, yeah, you, you can make a case that stacking a roster with stars will, will get you pretty damn close, right? Yeah, like, sure. if Kyrie and Harden were healthy, you know, Brooklyn probably beats Milwaukee in Game 7. The problem there was Durant was on his last legs all by himself, Harden with the hamstring, it and the groin. It just wasn't going to happen for Brooklyn last year. Uh, but everyone else, for the most part, that got to the conference finals or advanced in the playoffs were teams that had a couple stars, but they had a lot of role players who could play defense, go two ways, hit threes from the corner, um, rebound on both ends, and, and, and do the small things, pass the basketball, find the better shot. And, and to me, it just seems like the Lakers are trying to play a game that is not what 2021-2022 NBA basketball currently is. You know, like it feels like we're in a different era where you, you have to be a team that can pass the basketball offensively, hit three-point shots from everywhere on the floor, but have guys who are on the court who can defend uh, and, and can actually do things in multiple facets. And I, I think that's what we saw with the, with the Clippers. You know, uh, Kyrie Leonard, uh, I mean, Kawhi Leonard goes down, and, and what happened? A bunch of role guys stepped up and assisted Paul George. You know, like, I, I just think that the Lakers are moving in the wrong direction when the rest of the Western Conference is getting tougher. Chris, let's talk about something I saw, and I know you saw this as well on NBA.com as far as the GM questionnaires. I, you know, it's one of our favorite columns as NBA fans. How is it that when the, when the NBA.com asked um, GMs about MVP candidates, how come uh, Nikola Jokic was not on that list? See, this is, this is the problem in the NBA, right? We know the stars, but Jokic should also be part of that list, and he was not. I'm looking at this Denver team, and I say, Jokic, hats off to him because I think he had a terrific uh, year, but I think he's still being uh, disrespected by uh, certain corners of the NBA. Yeah, I, I would say, you know what that probably has to do, Jonathan, is that Phoenix swept uh, Denver in the semis, in the playoffs. Right. Like, you win the MVP, which is a regular season award, but you had to kind of limp past Portland. You win that series 4-2 to two in the first round. You get to Phoenix in the semis, and they, they demolish you. And they had an answer, and DeAndre Ayton, uh, played well, and he was able to kind of solve the Joker's riddle. See what I did there? Yes, very uh, nice. And, and you know, uh, you know, I, I get it. Uh, you're right. He could get more credit. He won the MVP. I think some of the names on the GM survey that were there for who will win the MVP this year, like I don't know if you can necessarily argue with the names that were given. The but you, but you, were, but you can't give Jokic one vote, Chris. I mean, what? I mean, really? Well, would you, would you vote for him? I wouldn't vote for him. Well, not me, but, I mean, someone should. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, okay, so, you know, and I'm, I'm pretty sure the GMs can't vote for anything for their own team, right? right. So, like, you'd, ha you'd have to have someone outside of Denver. I mean, like, even look at number six. Stephen Curry got 3%, and Stephen Curry was the best player in the league last year. Like, if Golden State had a better record, Steph's the MVP and not Jokic. Jokic only got the MVP because of the team record that the Nuggets had last year. And they were still only the three seed. You know, if Golden State wasn't playing in that playing game, uh, Stephen Curry wins the MVP last year. 
Uh, and then if we say, okay, who was the best player in the playoffs? Well, that was Giannis Antetokounmpo. Right. And he won back-to-back MVPs. So I think Giannis would be a nice nice selection for this year, too. You know, the rest of the list, Kevin Durant won, Luka Doncic, which every uh, NBA hipster is suggesting he'll win the MVP this year. Right. Number three, Giannis. Number four, Joel Embiid, who's fantastic. He's tied with James Harden. And number six is Stephen Curry. So, I mean... I don't think you can argue against anyone on that list. I wouldn't vote for Jokic, though. Understood. I just think that he needs his flowers. If not the whole bouquet, just one flower at least, right? So I I look at Jamal Murray, and I I question that knee. How effective will he be? And then I remember you and I sitting side-by-side during the draft, and we saw Michael Porter Jr. uh, in the draft, and we said, yeah, that back issue, that's going to be a problem. And Denver drafts him anyway, and he secures the bag this offseason. I'm like, oh, I mean, that blew my hair back, and I don't even have any hair. I was like, what the bleep is this? You, it also blew Kaplan's hair right off his head. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, I mean, like, yeah. like, think of it this way. <laughs> They're paying. Okay, so Nikola Jokic, right, He has uh, he's under contract. Uh, for two more seasons, then he'll be a free agent. Right. Keep your eyes there. Uh, I'm pretty sure the Bulls uh, front office has a former connection with uh, the Denver Nuggets front office, correct? I like that. I like that angle. All right. Uh, He's only 26, and I'm pretty sure uh, AK, Art Carney, uh, (laughs) pretty sure he's the one that found Nikola Jokic. So Uh just remember that, Bulls fans. Um, But, I mean, think about who else they're paying. Jamal Murray. Michael Porter Jr., and they also are paying uh, Aaron Gordon. Yes. Did you see the money that Aaron Gordon is I, making I over saw the next that. Yeah. five years? Wow. I mean, so uh, that that's your core. Uh, you're putting a lot of stock into Michael Porter Jr., who I remember that draft and, and scouting the draft, and the conversation, Jonathan, about Michael Porter was the talent is there to be a number one or two pick in the draft. The problem is the medicals don't check out. The Bulls passed on him. Many teams passed on him. Denver took him. And to this point, hasn't he only played like 70 NBA games total? Correct. And, and, now, and now he's getting that contract at age 23. He'll be under contract for the Nuggets until 2027, where he'll be making $39.2 million. I, that's crazy to me. That's in, uh, Listen, it's not like a... If they're going to give it to you, you take it. But just the idea that a guy had a broken back a few years ago and he, and he's worth that, I mean, that means that you think he's going to be the face of your franchise. I'm not sure if I see that in his game. Well, let me ask you this. Uh, forget the medical side. From what we've seen him play, he's played in 116 career games. He has a career points per game uh, average of 14.4, shooting 53% from the field. Shooting uh, an effect fourteen and six is that, is that a a franchise player? It is not. Now I know from year one to year two he jumped ten points per game, so we went from nine to nineteen. So I mean, people would assume in year three that that nineteen now turns into twenty five, twenty six points, and if he's scoring twenty six points. Now you've entered him in the con- into the conversation of like young budding superstars and and can can, can he be that type of guy? Kind of like what we were talking about with Zach Levine the last couple of years. So, I mean, I, I guess if he continues to progress, he'll be worth that money. Um, 
but uh, it's it seems awful early for Michael Porter Jr. Uh, staying in the Mountain Time Zone with the Utah Jazz, and this is the this is the part of the the podcast where Chris and I talk about the how the basketball hipsters tell us about well watch out for that Denver team watch out for that Jazz team to get to the finals so we get to Utah Donovan Mitchell looking forward to him taking yet another step he's just a tremendous player to watch it's one of my guilty pleasures on the NBA package to watch the Jazz him along with Rudy Gobert I expect him to be another solid team this year yeah they lost in the semis last year to the Clippers uh, four games to two uh, you know and that Clippers team. You, you kind of felt that Utah should have been able to handle their business. Uh, Mike Conley was a good addition, and I don't think he really meshed with the others until late in the season. You know who was really the, the game changer for Utah last year was Jordan Clarkson. You know, the cast-off six-man from the Laker days who now has fallen into a role as a, a score, scoring first point guard off the bench for the Utah Jazz. Um, they also added Rudy Gay in the offseason. Um, and you're right, Rudy Gobert and Donovan Mitchell are, are two young stars who have established themselves so early in their career just based on winning. And the fact that they were the best team in the West last season, um, being the number one seed at the end of the year, and then getting to the semis, it, it's surprising that they bowed out so early. But again, when we kind of look at the experience match with the, the age, it is now time for Utah to either make a conference finals or win the NBA finals or else something really has to change. And I would imagine, even though things are kind of quiet this offseason with Utah, I would imagine if things don't go well, then we're going to start hearing chirping from Donovan Mitchell if things don't kind of uh, get to the next level in this future playoffs because, you know, he's under contract, he's committed. But that stuff's always flimsy when you have a superstar who wants to dictate who, where they want to go. And I feel like Donovan Mitchell at age 25 can do so much in this league already. Chris, let's go to the Golden State Warriors. Uh, I don't know if you've heard, but Clay Thompson's back, uh, along with Steph Curry, Wiseman, and Draymond Green. So I really liked the Wiseman pick in the draft. I think he's at the perfect uh, team with Steve Kerr. I look forward to him paying dividends for the team. But uh, I, uh, I just want to know your thoughts about Golden State. They're going to be healthy now. But how are, how are they compared to the Suns, the Jazz, and the Denver Nuggets? They're all healthy, but can they get back get there to the top? Yeah, and, and you know, with uh, Clay Thompson, um, it, it's, it's a weird situation, right? Because he's had so many major injuries in a row. And I don't think, is he even playing yet? I know he's going to return, but is he act actively uh, practicing with um, contact yet? I don't think so. I'm not, I'm not sure if he's uh, going to return within the first month of the season. I think it may be some time. Um, and, and I think what, what I, you know, you look at this team, and if Steph Curry had any help last year, they would have been really dangerous. Mm -hmm. but, but then, you know, we, we talk about it. Well, you're looking at the help being Andrew Wiggins and James Wiseman. And neither of those guys could contribute anything last year. Wiseman got hurt at the end, but it was a tough rookie season for him. Andrew Wiggins, man, that dude, for being the number one pick and, and having all the talent in the world, he just can't put it together on a basketball court. Yeah. And that's super disappointing because it, it really, based on the moves that you know Bob Myers made with this team to try and continue on this run with clay and Steph and draymond is you need the guys like wiggins 
like Wiseman, uh, Kamunga, uh, who's the rookie this year, Jonathan Kamunga. They they need these players to be good, solid role slash budding stars who then continue this on. I would imagine if Steph and Clay stay healthy throughout the year, they will certainly make the playoffs. They were in the playing game last year. They they lost. They didn't make the actual uh, playoff round. Um, but I, I think what we'll see is they can at least get to like six or seven or eight mm-hmm. without having to play in the play-in. I, I think that that's something that is obtainable. But again, it all comes down to health. And did they like, did they burn out all of Stephen Curry's like solid A plus prime years? You know what I mean? Like last year, there was nobody better than Stephen Curry in the regular season. Right. Or like it was all for nothing. Well, I, I think that this is going to be a good, uh, good basketball team. I would agree with you. Tr- maybe toward the bottom of that eight, you know, sh- shooting can get you up there to the middle actually because of Steph Curry if, he's, if he has health. I, I like the team, but the Wiggins piece that you talked about, Chris, it. I don't know how to quite say this outside of saying it's an odd fit. Because I know what Wiggins was like in Minnesota. All he cared about is gummy bears and video games. Now, I know he has to conform to what Golden State wants as far as being more of a team guy and being a, a solid basketball player. But I always thought that the Wiggins selection was always an odd fit to me. And it's not, I'm saying he's going to hold them back, but I don't think he makes them better. At least not from my standpoint. Yeah, it's an odd fit. It's also like the trap that you fall into when uh, you have the top level stars, but you need more to get over the over the hump, right? And like, so the the Warriors were in a spot where all that was available were guys like Andrew Wiggins. You know what I'm saying? Like, unfortunately for them, you can't re- reverse time and hope a 37 year old Andre Iguodala will give you what he gave you five years ago, right? You know, and like so. Like, if you think about players between 50 and, like, 75 on the player ranking, like, how many of those players are available for top-level teams to then try and maneuver and select and make them their, like, fourth or fifth best player? And, like, at that point, you're talking about guys like Andrew Wiggins. You know, you're talking about guys who are either super young, who have high potential, or older players, you know, in, in... not to relate everything back to the Bulls, but, like, that's how the Bulls now have DeMar DeRozan. Is DeMar DeRozan a number one superstar? No. And I would imagine most player lists have DeMar DeRozan ranked somewhere between, like, 40 and 70. You know, he's in that second tier of, of really solid guys around the league. And, and so when you're stacking these players and stacking these stars – like, the Andrew Wiggins thing, that is a lottery ticket, right? Because if he figures it out, he has the talent. Right. And if he could somehow become their second best player, boom, Golden State's back at the top. You know, and the same goes for James Wiseman. If James Wiseman could do what DeAndre Ayton did in two years of development, boom, here we go. Now now Golden State's right back in that category. Unfortunately, I don't think Wiseman is as good as Ayton. So, Chris, I saw that same NBA uh, GM survey, and they talked about uh, like some of the best coaches as far as drawing up plays, out-of-bounds plays, all that. And they had um, 
the Clippers coached Ty Lue as number one. But then when they talked about the top coaches in the NBA, Ty Lue was not in that top five. So I find it interesting that as far as drawing up plays and, and doing that, as far as schematically, they had Ty Lue. You know, Eric Spolstra, I think, was one. But the point is that Ty Lue was not in that top five. Lue is a good coach. He just has another team that I think is good but not great, especially if we don't know if Kawhi Leonard is going to be 100% coming out of the box. Yeah, let's give some credit to Ty Lue, right? Yeah. Because – uh, when he was in Cleveland, they won the NBA championship. Wasn't all the, the credit given to LeBron and to, um, what's his name, the Flat Earth dude who uh, uh, won't, won't get vaccinated because uh, he's speaking uh, on behalf of the, the the voiceless? Yeah, the voice of the voiceless Kyrie Irving, yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah, Kyrie, yeah, Kyrie Irving. Yeah. Yes. Um, <laughs> I mean, Tyler did a hell of a job with the role players, banging him around those two guys, and I, I think he did a great job with the Clippers. I think that's a that's a great point that you make that that the question is you know who makes the best in game adjustments uh, Ty Lue one number one which head coach makes the best in game adjustments Tyrone Lue thirty seven percent number one mm-hmm. uh, which head coach is the best manager slash motivator of people Ty Lue is tied for number two with Popovich and Steve Kerr on that list number one was Monty Williams. But then when you ask who's the best coach in the NBA, Tyler's not on the list. And you know what's bogus about this survey? Hmm. You know who number five is on the list when I can guarantee you he is not one of the best coaches in the NBA? Who's that? Number number five is Mike Budenholzer, who if, <laughs> if the Bucks would have lost at any point last year in the finals, he would have been fired. So you kind of have to look at this and it's like, hold up. Why are you telling me? That the best motivator and manager of people and the best in-game adjustment coach is Ty Lue, yet you won't give him credit as being the best head coach. And in that list for the best head coach, Eric Spolster one, Monty Williams two, Quinn Snyder three, Greg Popovich four, and Budenhoser five. I would say also Pop is starting to lose uh, some of that luster. You know, things things ain't so easy when Tim Duncan isn't around, right? Yeah, well, you don't have any players. All you have is schemes with no one that can run them. Yeah. Um, Yeah, I mean, I I would give credit to Ty Lue. I thought what they did uh, last year in the playoffs, I think that was extraordinary. I think the fact that they got to the conference finals, they played a lot of close games against the Suns. The Suns won the West uh, four games to two. But the Clippers were in it, and they were down to star in Kawhi Leonard. I I think Ty Lue is fantastic. Okay, so now we get to the others in the Western Conference. So just kind of the bottom here. So your Dallas Mavericks, and by the way, if you're listening to us for the first time, Chris actually, he's not necessarily a Mavericks fan, but I think you're fascinated by the Mavericks and their inner workings. So so I thought the Mavericks, and I would agree with you over the years, they've made sound decisions. They've been a good basketball team. Rick Carlisle, top five, top ten coach in the NBA. But you go to Jason Kidd when you're in crisis as your head coach. That's a disconnect for me. And that's one of the biggest, I, don't, I won't say mistakes, but the biggest head scratchers in the Cuban era that I can think of with the Mavericks. Yeah, I would, I would also say um, for an organization that has dealt with some off-the-court issues in their front office, um, I, I would. I find it very surprising that they hired Jason Kidd. Part of the reason why Jason Kidd didn't get the job in Portland was because of the backlash from the fan base and the organization from people uh, within 
who didn't approve of Jason Kidd's past uh, situations with domestic violence. And so the Mavericks are, are a-okay with Jason Kidd running the, the show. Now, Kidd's one of the all-time great point guards in the league. Um, and I know the idea there is to pair someone like Jason Kidd with hopefully the next next greatest point guard in league history in Luka Doncic. Uh, I think it's a weird fit, Jonathan. I think you nailed it. I, I like following what the Mavericks have done yes. over the last 10-plus years because they are a franchise that doesn't sit still. They are not content, and they consistently try and make moves to win a championship, and they have not done that. They have failed at that. And the fact that last year they were only uh, sitting as what? They were the fifth seed in the Western Conference, and they lost in the first rounds of the Clippers. You know, it, I think a lot of this comes down to Luka Doncic has all of the tools necessary to be the best player in the league. At times, it seems like it is too easy for him, and he is still feeling himself as far as a guy who knows he can do everything over the idea of like a young Kobe um, a young Michael, even young LeBron, who knew that the only way they could solidify themselves as the best in the world was by winning a championship. And and I think there's got to be something with Luca where he realizes that, yeah, he can get a triple-double every night and he can pop for 41, but really it, it only matters if he gets Dallas to like the number one or two seed in the West. And then, then he will really become the best player in the league. He will become the person that everyone looks to and not just the, the hipster pick for MVP because everyone is playing fantasy basketball. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. And it's no, it's no knock on Luka. You know that I've been talking about Luka Doncic on Chicago Airwaves for three years before he even came over in the draft. He, he is the, the prodigal son. He is the, the chosen one. He is that European Michael Jordan who is going to be the best player in the league someday. But but we're in this situation now where now we need to see them win. And a lot of that comes down to Chris Porzingis. Mm-hmm. Is Kristaps Porzingis a good enough number two? Or do the Mavericks still need to do more with this roster to kind of give Luka more help? I know Knicks fans are probably saying, oh, we should have kept Porzingis, but I haven't seen him solidify himself as a number two to say that that was a mistake by the Knicks, quite frankly. Um, no, and like, and Jonathan, what do you what do you think about that? Do you think that my read on Luca, who's only twenty two, if if that's fair, like, yeah. it's you know, I'm not saying that he um, he doesn't work. He he's an extremely hard working player off the court. I just think that uh, it has happened very fast for him, but he he needs to now take his team to the next level. Oh yeah, absolutely. There's a lot more room to grow, and again. I'm not putting him on this timetable of championship or bust. He's not that good. One of the best players in the league does ever won a championship because he's still young. You know, it's up to the organization to put uh, players around him for this Mavericks team to be in the upper echelon with, say, Utah, Denver, or Phoenix. Um, so th- as we close here, we have this segment called What Else? What Else? Uh, in, in the Western Conference. So, Wait, I thought still? Yeah, yes. Is that, yeah. Is that, is that- <laughs> That's not not returning, no. (laughs) No, it's not. But it is called What Else? What Else in the Western Conference? Uh, What else? 
What else, what else you got? <laughs> what else? So I will ask you, it's very rare that we put the Portland Trailblazers in the what else, what else category, but what else do you have in the West? I, I, I guess the few nuggets I have is, you know, Portland, dude, is Damian Lillard staying or not? Like that, that thing's not going to work. Yeah, and it feels like the the pieces that they added were just like ancillary role guys that are really not difference makers. So I'm not I'm not sure if like maybe for Bulls fans that's another scenario to keep your eyes on is if not Damian Lillard because you you don't have enough to get that done is CJ McCollum someone that you could possibly uh, obtain in in the next couple of years. McCollum's under contract until 2024. So you know I I think. The whole situation for for Portland. By the way, you know what's crazy about Damian Lillard? What's that? Damian Lillard feels like he's played in the league forever. M- Lillard is thirty one, and McCollum is thirty. <laughs> if you asked me that, I would have suggested that Dame was around for a longer period of time than McCollum. But he's only been the he's only one year older than than McCollum. Uh, Besides, that's besides the point. I don't. I don't think they have enough to assist. And your your ship, uh, Nurich, is is never healthy. Right. And and so I, I don't know how they're going to compete with the other teams out west because Memphis is going to be better. Golden State's going to be better. I I think New Orleans is going to be better. Oh, stop it. Stop. A little better. Stop. A little better. No. Stan Van Gunner no. was terrible. No. Come on. No. He's a media darling, but he was terrible. New Orleans will not be in the playoffs. They might be a slightly better, but not but not much. I mean Zion's gonna no. want it. It's it this is done here. Well, I'm not I'm not saying that uh Portland's gonna miss the playoffs. I'm just suggesting that between Memphis, Golden State, and New Orleans, those teams should have a little bit better seasons than what we saw. And Portland was only the sixth seed with 42 wins last year. So, I mean, can Portland be better than the Lakers? No. Uh, no. 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 Probably not? No. So, so Portland's looking at playing game area. So, so, what else? What else? What about Sacramento? You got any Sacramento notes for us? Oh, Sacramento sucks. <laughs> All every right. Year, every year with Sacramento. <laughs> Okay. I mean, what the hell is going on? Every year, oh, we're young, oh, we're up and coming, oh, Buddy Heald, oh, De'Aaron Fox. <laughs> and then every year they suck, and Marvin Bagley's dad is tweeting out stuff about the franchise. <laughs> Come on now, they're terrible. <laughs> every year, no okey-doke from the Kings again. Okay. No. <laughs> okay. Any miss- At least the broadcast is watchable now, now that uh, Grant Napier is off of it. <sighs> That guy was awful. Uh, I, I remember. Any 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 nuggets on the Minnesota Timberwolves? Any any T Wolves thoughts from A Rod's T Wolves? Anything? No. <laughs> I mean, uh, so l- let me let me figure this out. So Carl Anthony Towns, D'Angelo Russell, Ricky Rubio back again with the T Wolves. Uh, Anthony Edwards. Uh, you know who I really like on the Timberwolves is uh, Mikel Beasley. I think he's yeah. a really solid player. Yeah. Three point shooter, defensive player. Uh, he's aggressive. I, I like him, but this is this is just a collection of of. Hey, maybe this guy could be a star. All right, maybe he could be a star. I don't. I don't think this works at all. Even though Anthony Edwards, I thought was really damn good last year. He didn't get enough hype based on everyone talking about Lamelo Ball. Yeah, I thought Anthony Edwards was fantastic. 
All right, and that is what else? What else? No, no that's it. No, that's all I have. No, 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 no. That's all I have for the Western Conference. All right, and Chris and I are done here. Don't forget to follow Chris Bleck on Twitter at Chris Bleck, me at Tweet J Hood. If you've missed the Eastern Conference preview, that's also part of this podcast feed as well. We're going to talk about the Bulls, the Eastern Conference, and so much more. For Chris Black, this is Jonathan Hood. Thanks for listening to the Under the Hood Basketball Podcast, brought to you by DraftKings. So long, everybody. What else? (laughs) That's enough of that. (laughs) There is nothing else. Thanks, Chris. All right.